the perfect combination of versatile athleisure and training apparel has arrived. Thanks to the visionary minds of New Balance, Clutch Athletics, and Rich Paul, the designs reflect the heart of the athlete and the spirit of the community. With rising defensive football stars Will Anderson and Chase Young on the roster, Clutch Athletics brings the best innovative gear to all athletes, giving them style and performance on and off the field. Learn more and purchase Clutch Athletics at NewBalance.com. Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. Welcome back to the Cover 3 Podcast with your hosts, Chip Patterson, Tom Fernelli, Danny Cannell, and Bud Elliott. It's your call for the best college football coverage from National Signing Day to the National Championship and everything in between. CBS Sports presents the Cover 3 Podcast. And welcome back to the Cover 3 Podcast here on CBS Sports. I'm Tom Fernelli. He's Bud Elliott. Somewhere off in the distance joining us shortly is Chip Patterson. But he's talking to a plumber right now because his toilet is leaking. So if we want to keep track of Chip's maladies in the last 24 hours yesterday, his internet went out mid-show, lost his phone service, and now his toilet is leaking. So Chip, he's living at new house life, discovering all the small little you know problems that he's going to have to deal with before he can really settle in. But he'll be with us shortly. And frankly, you know, we don't need him. I mean... Uh, I'm not supposed to bring it up, but I will just say, say another podcast wanted to fight us and they were trying to do matchups for who could take who, and they said they're not worried about Chip. I would just say that the other three members of this show could probably beat up that entire other show with or without Chip. Just going to throw that out there. Um, <laughs> but but uh, there, there was some news yesterday. A lot of news actually coming because of uh, meetings going on in Arizona, but one of the things that came out that I found interesting and maybe not in the best way, was the uh, the Big 12. The headline is, Big 12 looking to modernize television broadcasts with in-game interviews, expanded locker room access. The move is to spice up the TV broadcasts is the latest potential change under Commissioner Brett Yormark. Who's asking for this, bud? I actually am going to argue with you here, and this is not planned ar- argument. I-, I think this is probably a smart move by the Big 12. When I look at the new Big 12, I see a, a league that has a really high floor. Now that Kansas has his act together, there's really no bad teams. There's a lot of teams sort of in that like 28 to 48 power rating type range. So they're going to have good competitive games that a lot of college ball fans will want to watch. But a lot of casual football fans won't, right? And we, we saw that with the ratings for Texas and Oklahoma. There's a reason ESPN was willing to pay so much to poach those teams because if you're going to do really big ratings, you need casual fans. You you cannot make a living on the diehards unless you're a subscription service, which obviously they're not. So I think anything that can maybe be unique or different or help to draw in the casual fan, because I'm going to be watching the Big 12. I think it's going to be really good, really competitive, exciting ball, everything down down to the finish line. If you got something that's going to help to draw the casuals in because it's a little bit different, 
than what you normally see. That's kind of different. Oh, like you watch it at a bar. Oh, look at that. That's kind of neat. I think that's a pretty smart move for a league that lacks a a top 15 job, right? That lacks a team that you can say, yeah, they if they're right, they're they're contending for a natty, right? They don't have a national championship contender that if they're doing everything right, it's going to work in, in that league. As a one-off, sure, and we loved TCU last year, but be different. And I think if you get people in because it's different, they might enjoy the actual football they're watching. My counter to that. You and I will be watching the Big 12 because we know it's a good league. Chip and Danny will be watching the Big 12 because they know it's a good league. Our listeners will be watching the Big 12 because they understand the point. But casual, as a casual college football fan, I'm going to pick a Baylor-Oklahoma State game because I'll be able to hear the coach talking over Georgia and whoever they're playing that week is the big game of the week or the Ohio State game. I don't think that's a really feasible thing. I don't blame them for trying it. I just have very high skeptical thoughts that it's going to work. And then it's also like this is the day after the Big 12 is thinking of playing games in Mexico. Why? Like, what are you trying to gain? Like, is Mexico some untapped potential? Honestly, it reminds me of when Larry Scott at the Pac-12 trying to get the China market. It's you're a college football conference. You are not a professional sports league. You are not going to be tapping in. Nobody down there is going to care. And as I kind of, I texted those in the group thread yesterday. This is just my feeling. I could be a thousand percent wrong. To me, so far, Brett Yormark is just Larry Scott, Jay-Z contact info at the phone. That's really the only difference that I have seen so far. I don't know what the Big 12 has done to improve the product of that it's going to have after it loses Texas and Oklahoma since your mark has taken over. I know that they've done kind of like the, the British ape thing where like the crossover where they had that at the championship game. Like it's a whole lot of Instagram stuff to me. I don't know what they're doing to improve the football. It feels very cosmetic and kind of the cool kids are going to like this, but are the cool kids ever really going to like big 12 football? You're right on that. Now the one pushback I would have to the Larry Scott thing, I should have put this in the group chat, but, is that your mark at least can also be pragmatic. And the number mm-hmm. one thing, like all these other ideas can be pie in the sky and maybe silly and may not work. The one thing that did work was kneecapping the Pac-12 by jumping them in line to realize, hey, our league is not as attractive as it used to be. We need to lock in this deal with ESPN before the Pac-12 can. And like that clearly gave them a little bit of a leg up in some areas on the Pac-12. So even if all of these new crazy ideas that Brett Yormark has fail, like if they all suck, if they don't get more casuals to watch these games, they're still in a better spot than what Larry Scott left because like Larry Scott's idea for the Pac-12 network was interesting, but the execution uh, mainly by him and, and like the, some of his exec staff was, was horrendous, right? So I, I think he's a little more pragmatic than Larry Scott, but – there are some similarities with, with these these out there ideas. Do you think that because there's such a large, like Texas and Southwest or the kind of like Central American footprint in the Big Twelve, and obviously Texas has a large Hispanic population, that trying to reach out and play a game or two in Mexico maybe furthers your efforts to connect with the Hispanic viewer, which I think is if you're a TV exec, having a larger population of you know Hispanic viewers is something you would endeavor to, and probably not. Uh, something that's happening right now. I, I don't know. It, it doesn't, I don't see a might, downside to it, maybe. 
No, I don't know if there's a downside. I just feel like it's doing things to do them as far as I, I, I it's yeah. more that it's, I don't know how much of an impact it's actually going to have. Like you might convert a few fans because there are football fans in Mexico. We've seen that with the NFL having success. So maybe you can convert a few. It's just, I don't know. Like if I'm looking at for, as an American, as far as European sports, I'm into European sports. Like I like soccer, but if cricket started said, you know, we're going to go play a match in Chicago. I, I'm, I'm not going to go watch because I don't give a damn about cricket. You know what I mean? So it's sure. it's playing there is not really going to do it for me. I don't know. Chip, what are your thoughts? How's your toilet, buddy? I, I hope that we will have resolution with the great caper of why the master bed toilet started leaking. We will, we will, oh, if you want play by play updates, perhaps I can provide them. It's bathing ape, you know, as the youngest of this. Oh, oh. I think British ape, bathing, bathing ape, you know, I don't bathing, know where it is. I, I believe it's a camouflage ape. Oh, cool. If the Big 12 is going to capitalize on basketball, now is the time to do it because they are absolutely running the game in basketball. And like, bud, honestly, I should I had not thought about just trying to expand your um expand your customer base, right? Like just trying to be like, okay, uh, we might have a huge percent of the population in the Big 12 footprint that you know, is not connected to our football product, but maybe we might be able to tap into that. So I, I think there's probably something to that. All this comes down to the fact, to me, that the Big 12 knows it has maxed out how much money it can make from traditional revenue streams. Mm-hmm. That's a good that point. When, when yeah. Brett Yormark is talking to the athletic directors and the university presidents, he's saying like, look, this deal is as good as I can get. And if you really want to close the gap with the SEC and the Big Ten, we are not going to do it from our television deal. We are going to have to do it from other revenue streams. So that was my like my strongest take from this is, okay, they realize they've maxed out. And I can't say that I hate at least the initiative to try and get creative about finding ways to make your schools more money because that the in-game interviews – now, all of this is just trying to do anything to just like get a little bit more value because otherwise they've maxed it out. I mean, even further expansion would mean they max out, right? Yeah. I mean, that's yeah. there's still, when well, we transition to Dennis's latest story on this too, if we want, but like they're still, he wrote his latest one about their TV rights. They are keeping that open dialogue with the four corner schools. So I don't know that that's done yet. But on a per school basis, it's not like adding those no. schools is not going to be able to drive it up. And that's where you have to go right. to Mexico, to Rucker Park and create all these, you know, extra little things just to be able to uh, to make it happen. Can we get like uh, Mexico City, the university, like a, a school there in the Big 12? Can we go like the first international conference? Maybe. Do they know. have I'm a good football waiting. team? <laughs> But they probably have a good football team, but I don't know if they have a good football team. Um, I always like when have you have you all taken any uh, any chat questions yet? No. Okay, I always but, love when but and I don't are. deal with the peasants, Chip. <laughs> Let's go. Um, hey, listen, I, I'll tell you what. I am six feet, one hundred and sixty pounds. <laughs> Dainty is not like it's mean. <laughs> <laughs> but it is not incorrect, right? I prefer rangy, okay? Like Randy Brickley once described me as rangy but scrappy when we had some <laughs> things got really, really tense and we were considering what uh, physical violence might look like if I was involved. I am generally not 
a fighter. Again, six feet, 160 pounds. So like dainty, mean, not totally inaccurate, but you know, I, I fight when I feel threatened and I don't feel like fighting. So, <laughs> uh, I mean, I thought we weren't going to talk about it. <laughs> hey, listen. All right. This one comes from Kyle. Who gets their buyout first, Jimbo or Mel Tucker? Tucker. Jimbo. Ooh. Oh, we got beef for this reason. AM has a lot of people who could pony up for it. It sounds like from the reports I've read, Michigan State has one guy that sort of guaranteed a lot of that contract. AM has much bigger expectations than Michigan State does. Whether that's justified or not, I'm, I'm not entirely sure. I, I think it kind of is. But, uh, and Tucker has not had as long there as Jimbo has, right? So I think for those reasons, um, especially if LSU is as good as I think they might be this year, that's another team right next to you that you're like, I mean, that, that guy just got there and he's way ahead of you. So I, I, would, say, I would say Jimbo gets it first. Those are all feasible points. I, I go with Tucker simply because – if you look at Michigan State right now and you look at what's going on in the Big Ten, like not even just looking at UFD coming in to join the party, but Ohio State is Ohio State. Michigan in the last couple of years has taken the step forward of winning the conference two years in a row, get to the college football playoff two years in a row. And when Michigan State, like, you know, there's there is the little brother complex when it comes to football between Michigan State and Michigan. When Michigan is down, Michigan State swings for the fences. And they've had a chance to. And that's what happened with Mel Tucker. Michigan looked was struggling at the time. Michigan State was going off a huge season. They got to the Peach Bowl. Bang, let's lock it up. When that's the case, Michigan State boosters are a little bit more willing to kind of, you know, pony up, as we saw in evidence with Mel Tucker's contract. So if the Spartans, things are going the way they did last year, if like this team like just gets to a bowl game or misses out on a bowl game and Michigan wins the Big Ten again, I think somebody will be angry enough to do something about it. I just think there's a bigger chance than some people realize. I think it is Tucker. I think it's Michigan State. And I think that the reason is because ultimately Michigan State cares more about basketball than it does about football. Now you could argue that that's why you could argue that's why they would move faster on Jimbo. But I also think that's why they would say this was an expensive mistake. Let's cut bait. And, you know, let's let's plow ahead. Let's do something that's not going to continue to to bleed us. They're going to have to replace Tom Izzo soon. The top priority for the top boosters in the next five to 10 years is making sure that all of the work that Tom Izzo has done for that basketball program is able to be maintained by the successor. And I think I mean, they I've heard from the basketball side, their NIL operation is like up and rolling. And but maybe you can help me on the football side. But like. They are losing very important players to the transfer portal. So you could you could wonder what the investment is on that side too. So, uh, okay, quick clarification on that. They did get the Brantley kid to come back. Mm-hmm. I don't think Coleman is an NIL thing. I think Col- like if you look at the schools that Coleman is reportedly considering, right? North Carolina, Oklahoma, Florida State, LSU. What All four of those teams, in? like, yeah, like legitimate NFL draft prospects. I mean, mm-hmm. like Jordan Travis – Jane Daniels and Gabriel are going to get drafted, and Drake may, may, may be the first overall pick. Peyton Thorne is probably not going to be drafted. I, I would I would think that was the guy he was playing with there at Michigan State. So I 
I I don't know that Michigan State's NIL game is is bad. I don't really buy the reports that that's that's a pure just chase the bag NIL transfer um, on his part. I mean, it's kind of like all right, you got a kid from Louisiana, no real connections to the state of Michigan, doesn't like quarterback play. Everywhere that he's considering is at least closer to home. My rebuttal on the Michigan State agreement for my co-host here, which I'll, I'll, I'll try to lead you guys to the light. <laughs> who who hired Jimbo at LSU? Scott, Scott Woodward. Woodward. Right. So back to the idea of like one guy guaranteeing the contract at Michigan State. If Michigan State fires Mel Tucker, that's an embarrassment for the dude who who had had to put that contract there. Right. That's him admitting. That's one guy admitting, hey, I screwed up. I bought into this guy. I, I, I fell for him, and, and he couldn't get it done. At AM, nobody really has to wear that because the AD who's there now, wh- whether or not you think is a good AD or not, which I think is a really fair discussion to have, it, it's not on him if Jimbo doesn't work out because Scott Woodward made the hire. It's not on any singular booster at AM if they fire Jimbo. So I think there's less sort of egg on their face despite the fact that they gave him a, a national championship trophy with no – no uh, date, the nameplate on it yet, but I just think it's that's Virginia Tech. How that's going, right? Like <laughs> e- ego, egos do play into this. When, when, when your sport is financed by TV, but also still by boosters and decision makers, it's the reason I think Billy Napier is going to get time at Florida. Because if, if Scott Strickland has to, has to fire Billy Napier, do you think Scott Strickland gets to make a, a third hire after making a third firing? Mm. I don't. So I, I kind of think that there's a principal agent problem here too, right? where sometimes like a GM makes a draft pick that's not in the interest of the school or of the the team long term but he realizes if his team doesn't win in the next year he's going to get fired. So I am going to I think it's A&M but it also really depends on what you think of these teams this year. I mean Oh, that's Michigan I think State. I think Texas A&M's going to be better than Michigan right. State. I I, mm-hmm. I do too. Um all right, any uh any big takeaways from Ben Bryant to Northwestern? former Cincinnati quarterback or any other portal notes before we hit the break and then open up the big old bag of mail? I mean, I we, we've spent a lot of time talking to Ben Bryant last year with Cincinnati. I, I'm not surprised if Northwestern considers him an upgrade over what they had on the roster. So if, if I'm a Northwestern fan, I'm probably happy to have him entering the competition. But at the same time, after spring practice is wrapped up, the fact that you're adding Ben Bryant doesn't give me the most confidence what the coaching staff saw from the quarterback position. But I do think he is somebody who could, you know, if he wins the starting job, he's not going to go out there and win the Big Ten for you or win the division, but he's a capable quarterback. Jack? Agreed. Uh, yeah, I, I, I think so. Um, here's one for you. I, have you seen the Jalen McLeod kid Auburn picked up? Mm-mm. Or I think picked up, but I don't want to break news here. Uh, if, if, if he's not out there, here you go. Here you go. The trend things are trending towards Auburn is zeroing in on Jalen McLeod. Oh. Isn't, isn't that the guy they got? Sorry, I, I watched him this morning. Um, I, I liked him quite a bit. Where is the, the App State kid in in the portal? Their their edge mm-hmm. rusher. I, I I thought I saw he was going to Auburn. Sorry, it's just been a kind of a crazy morning. Mags left early this morning. So App State has a kid in the portal. This is really good podcast. My wife left me. <laughs> Seriously, yeah, I, I had to get had to get two kids out the door. If that happened um, to any of us, I know we'd still show up. We'd need each other too badly. We need to cover three. Yeah. Fans. Well, what, what are we gonna do? Just, just if, if we got left in the morning, we're not missing the show. Come on. 
Okay, so I, I'm I'm correct. I was mostly correct. He got a crystal ball to Auburn, and I don't think he's publicly announced that he's going to Auburn yet. Jalen McLeod is the right name, so I'm I'm mostly on the rack track here. Anyway, like this guy's a pretty nice player for them. I, I think Auburn is just doing a sneaky good job in the transfer portal. Like they're they got a lot of targets that are not maybe not like top two at the position in the portal, but they're they're acting fast on dudes who are probably like at the upper range of prospects they can get, and they're getting them. Like I like how they rebuilt their offensive line. This guy played really well last year against Texas A and M. Solid role, oh, dudes. Yeah. Do you want to you want a trivia question on the portal? Yes. All right. Who is the only G five conference champion that did not lose a player to the transfer portal to a P five team this offseason? Troy. No. Too late. They, uh, no, they they lost uh, somebody as well. Uh, Troy lost the barber receiver to Oregon. Oh, that's right. Um, it, who won the conference USA? Toledo. UTSA uh, won conference USA, and, and Zachary Franklin just hit the portal. So I, I think yeah, we can. I'm sort of preemptively counting Zachary Franklin as a power five player. Come uh, Illinois, yeah. Zachary. Chip, Chip nailed it. Toledo. I was going through some of the Mac stuff this morning to, to do my prep, and uh, and we're probably losing viewers by the minute. I apologize. Uh, Western Michigan lost six Power 5 transfers. Toledo won the conference, didn't lose anybody. <laughs> There's something to be said for having a sweet spot of like good college players who don't have the length or speed to play at the P5 level that don't leave your program. Tryhards. Yeah. Yeah. Really committed like, to the team. Yeah. Moxie. <laughs> hey, you can win. You can win the Mac with well, some people that don't Maxie. have the measurables. Look, Maxie. look at Carlton Marshall at, at, at Troy, right? I mean, I, he didn't get drafted. He's small, and I don't think he ran very well. But the guy's like super good at that at that level. I think there's an inefficiency, man. Uh, like recruiting at the high school level, and be like, okay, if this guy if it, this guy hits, he's going to be really good at this level. But he's never going to have the length that a P five team says. Yeah, we want you. Mm. Coming up on the other side, we dive into the big old bag of mail with a time-honored tradition. If you could change one moment in all of college football history, what would it be? That and more next. eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, Roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Knowing how to speak and understand a new language can be an invaluable tool when traveling, meeting new friends, or just even to master a new skill. But it's not always simple when you're bogged down by textbooks and structure classes. 
That's why so many people trust Rosetta Stone. Rosetta Stone is the most trusted language learning program available on desktop or as an app. It truly immerses you in the language you want to learn, like Spanish, French, Italian, Chinese, and more. You won't just be studying English translations. The Rosetta Stone intuitive process helps you pick up a language naturally, first with words, then phrases, then sentences. Don't put off learning that language. There's no better time than right now to get started. For a very limited time, listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. Visit rosettastone.com rs10. That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 50% off at rosettastone.com rs10 today. Back here on the Cover 3 podcast. This question cycles around every now and then, and certainly it's a fun one to uh, pull from the big old bag of mail. So... If you could change one moment in all of college football history, what would it be? I love this question, and I like there's so many you could do. Do you guys have one that really stands out? Yeah, I have one that stands out to me. But oh, I want to hear yours first, Chip. Um, the pass interference call in the Ohio State Miami championship game. Oh yeah, let's do some ratings. I think, I think that that, I think that that is like the big, like the true beginning of the end for my, like, I mean, this is vibes, you know, this is just like all, all the stuff that none of the numbers can account for. But when you get screwed like that on that stage at the very end of that incredible with like all that roster and that team and everything else, I think if Miami wins that national championship, they do not carry. I would, I'm ready to get fried for this. I suspect that there is a little bit of a defeatist, oh, we're going to get screwed by everything that comes from the heartbreak of that moment. And the defeatist, we're going to get screwed by everything is a losing mindset. And I think if Miami wins that national championship, Miami enters the ACC with a whole lot more momentum. I think if Miami wins that national championship, they enter the ACC and they actually jump in to the league and do what they were expected to do when they put Florida State on one side and Miami on the other. And I think that ACC football doesn't spend the entire BCS era floundering going 2-13 and 13 in BCS bowl games. So... If I could change one thing, I think that the ACC football would be better and would not have the reputation it does if Miami wins that national championship. So, Chip, the one thing you want to change is a guy playing defense. You don't want to let people play defense anymore. You want to get rid of any rule that would hurt the offense. It it hurt your feelings to see a defense win a play at the end. I don't know. You know what? You can say as if you pass interference, I would just get rid of pass interference. Call it holding or illegal contact. Get rid of pass interference. It's nebulous. There's no true definition. I do think you make some interesting points, though, but I no. Um, the one thing I would change, I would go back in time to about a little over 10 years ago, and I would not create the college football playoff. Mm-hmm. I would stick with the BCS. The BCS, we hated it at the time, and I understand why we hated it at the time, because we hate what we don't understand, and there was always the question marks of, well, what about the third best team? What about the fourth? Blah, blah, blah. So we expanded to four. 
And it turns out the two best teams are still the two best teams every single year, and they tend to meet in the title game. Or they don't. TCU upsets one of them and then loses by 50 in the title game. I would rather just have the one versus two, let everything else stay the same. And I think that creating the playoff has led to a lot of the stuff we have to deal with now, where we talk about keeping the spirit of the game. Meanwhile, USC and UCLA will be in the Big Ten. Texas and Oklahoma, Texas A&M, all these schools are in the SEC. Nebraska's in the Big Ten. All of this stuff is happening because of the college football playoff, because of the revenue, because it's all become about television, and it's no longer about the sport. So if I could change anything, I would just go back to the BCS. We were fine. The sport was doing wonderful. You would really make a ton of money with only two teams playing for the title game and the rest of the bowl games and the rest of the TV packages and all of that fun stuff. So that's my change. Bud, what is yours? Tom, I'm actually going to agree with you on that because I, I, I just think four is the most flawed number. Like, if you told me you wanted to stick with the BCS or go to 12, I, I'm pretty equally okay with either of those things. I, I mean, the BCS was really corrupt, obviously, but uh, four is the one that I think was uniquely bad for the sport because you knew that once you created it, all of the uh, the like the coverage would, would be centered on the playoff, but four is such an exclusionary number. Just by rule, if you have five power five conferences <laughs> and it, it it's just a really bad number and it was only created because it was the only way you could get some of the power away from the bowl like the bowl committees that kept greasing the power players uh, in in the sport I, i'm gonna go to me there there are two quarterback injuries that changed national title games right or or, or national title seasons and and there's one that stands out to me there's probably more than this but if you go back to like the 70s and 80s but just in the last like 20 something years there are two that that really impacted it chris winkie breaking his neck against wake forest right like tennessee beats fsu by a score in the fiesta bowl because they had to play marcus Alton, who was terrible i don't think if you have the heisman trophy winner in, in, in winkie that you lose to tennessee that would give fsu four national titles i don't think that really changes the sport all that much though i mean they, they would they would go on to win the following year doesn't really matter. So I'm, I'm not going to go with with that one. And obviously, Winky was fine. Like, he didn't you know end up messed up the rest of his life or anything. The one that I'm going to focus in on here, though, is Dennis Dixon not tearing his ACL in that game at Arizona State, which Oregon still won. But this, we got to go back 15 years ago to 2007. This is back when teams really did not have an answer for Chip Kelly, if, if you guys recall. I mean, they beat some very good teams. Like they beat a good Fresno team, fifty-two to twenty-one. They went on the road and beat Harbaugh's Stanford team, fifty-five to thirty-one. They lost uh, to to a number six overall Cal team. That's back when Cal was was really damn good uh, by one score. They crushed Washington State. They crushed Washington, uh, five-score win, three-score win. They beat a top ten USC team. They also beat that Arizona State team back when we didn't know Dixon w- was hurt by two scores. That was uh, the next week. This was pretty horrific to watch. Dennis Dixon's knee just completely buckles, right? Mm-hmm. And they, they lose to Arizona, and that was basically like the rest of their season was was shot. The next week, they're totally flat. UCLA shuts them out. I mean, this is the team that was averaging 48 points a game entering the contest. And then they, they lose the Civil War in overtime because Dixon with the torn ACL is done. It's like we, Apparently, he tore the, the knee in the Arizona State game. We didn't realize it. And then, I mean, his knee just collapsed out from under him. Like on a non-hit, right? If I recall, it wasn't it just going out of bounds. I'm trying. Yeah, yeah. 
it was I've like, got him going out of bounds, like on the lower screen. Like as I'm watching on TV, yeah. he's coming to the cl- the the near sideline, and it just gives way. Sucks. I I think that team was the best team that year, and LSU won the national title with two losses, right? And they 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 crushed so Ohio State. I think in the Sugar Bowl they they had to play there. Um, I believe so. That changes the sport, I think, because if you have a team that's not named USC that's won a national title in like the last 25 years, Washington got one in was it 90 or 91? I think 91. That that gives the Pac-12 a lot more juice because Oregon's been close two other times. They lost to Ohio State and they lost to Auburn. Whether or not Michael Dyer was down, I guess, uh, is up for debate. But that that's like the one QB injury that I can really think of that changed the sport just a, a ton. Here is a question from the chat. This one comes from Matthew. Matthew asks, if the transfer portal was around for Josh Allen, do you think he would have been swiped by a bigger program or who else could have possibly changed school? Yeah, <laughs> for sure. He'd have been gone somewhere for like his well, Yeah, especially year. with the way that the quarterback transfer dominoes fall and you, you know, you're sitting out here trying to load up on anybody with tools and potential. Then yeah, he definitely yeah. would have gone to a power five. He would have left Wyoming and gone to a power five program who needed a quarterback. I mean, yeah. I, I think too, like especially if you look at and it worked out for him. But Josh Allen was playing in an offense with Craig Bowl as his coach. Like if he wanted to improve, he was worried about his NFL draft stock. He would have moved on to a bigger program with a more kind of you know pass happy offense than what he with the one he was in in Wyoming. Um, okay. Ben Roethlisberger, I think. Absolutely, is a guy that stands out. Like it, nowadays, the Mac would not keep a. Was he top oh, ten pick? Yes, he yeah, was I, early would, first. Would, I know that. Yeah, would, would not keep like a top ten, top fifteen pick at quarterback, uh, just with, with with how things go. So like he would be one that stands out to me. Well, it's funny. Like think of how things have changed. Roethlisberger is a great example because when Roethlisberger was drafted, like action for most people, like who the hell is Ben Roethlisberger? <laughs> because he played at Miami, Ohio, and this was when the Mac wasn't playing on Tuesday, Wednesday nights all the time, so he didn't really get a chance to see any of these games. So yeah, like I remember my reaction was, I, he looks pretty big. I have no idea who he is. Good luck, Steelers. Worked out pretty well for him. Um, do you think somebody would would have plucked Jordan Love? For sure. Yeah. Do you remember the Jordan Love for Heisman material? Yeah. I don't. Oh, you didn't you didn't get that mailer? You no, didn't get I the don't. nice little notepad with like, mm-hmm. oh, you know what else they sent? Shout out to Utah State. They sent candy hearts. Yeah. Jordan Love's yes. name on it. And it was like a love for Heisman. Like it was mm-hmm. it, it was a it was a lot of hype. It didn't end up panning out exactly, but you know. We'll we'll see if it pans out down the line. That's for sure. Jordan Love, Utah State missed man. Like I I I just did a YouTube short. Check out our YouTube channel, YouTube.com/slash Cover Three on the best Heisman campaigns ever. Right, and I, I mean I I like Candy Hearts. I I would have maybe put you guys on there. Didn't send it to me. I still have my Ed Oliver horse bobblehead around here somewhere. That was a good one. That kind of started the whole bobblehead trend. Poor Ron Dane weekly postcards for for him to break the record was. Was good, pretty, yeah, pretty good. Uh, West Virginia sent out uh, a record for Jeff Hostetler, um, called Old Hoss to remind <laughs> people, which is kind of like there's some pretty wild ones. Um, Navy did something for Roger Staubach, that was kind of the OG one. I think there's a couple of other good ones in there. It's got a bottle of maple syrup that Illinois sent out for Chase Brown last year because he's Canadian, so 
There you go. <laughs> there we go. And, and um, head on over to youtube.com slash cover three to check out that short again, bud throwing up the best Heisman campaigns coming up on the other side. Why should any five-star recruit sign a national letter of intent? Why do they? Should they? And what are their options? We'll dive into that. And is Liberty going to lose a single game in the regular season? Next. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Did did you guys see this Bama thing? No. What? Uh, They just fired their head baseball coach. uh, Oh, for for the betting scandal. So at first I was like, is this a max fit, a, a, a match fixing scandal? Because I just thought like the juice cannot be worth the squeeze there, given how low the limits are on college baseball, right? Like, are you really going to try to fix college baseball games when the max bet at a lot of these places is like a hundred bucks? But All right. Well, hold on. Let me let me. I don't want to accuse a guy of that. Obviously. Yeah. Let's, yeah, 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 let, yeah. Let's let's do a little reset. Let's do a little reset. Right. So um, the gaming commission in Ohio signaled. Um, like the oversight group that they have signaled unusual activity on an Alabama LSU baseball game. And they stopped taking bets on that game. And they stopped taking bets on Alabama baseball in general until the matter was resolved. What I had read was that it seemed like, uh, just like, like if you know a guy's out in, in, in a football game, right? Like you may bet that side like a lot of our listeners probably do if they you know, happen to know somebody's out and the books were slow to react to that. Like they didn't know the starting pitcher was out, but it, I, I'm curious to see where this story goes. Cause this, this seems like it's a little more than, than that, but I, I don't want to accuse the guy of something that just, I was like, I don't know when I had first seen like tweets, like there's no way that like there can't be a max, a match fixing scandal in college baseball. Like it's just not. Why do you say there can't be? Well, like in college basketball, you can get down sizable wagers, even on bad games, like an average account can probably still get a thousand or 2000 on some, you know, some crappy teams that are like 280th for 310th or something. Right. Like if you're going to do something like that, you would need to have places you can get down to make it worth your, your while. Uh, I don't know. I, mean, I, I guess, all, I guess there could be just, all I know is if I've learned anything this week, when it comes to the media and college baseball in the same space, you should be careful of what you say because there are repercussions. What happened? Just saying, if you are if you're trying to grow the game and maybe you're reading something and you don't read ahead, you might say something that might cost you your job. 
Oh, yeah. Um, I didn't realize that was college baseball related, but yeah. No, it wasn't, but the person. Okay. All right. Yeah. Yeah. So I don't know. I'm just, that's a, that's a wild story. I just, I, I'm as, as I'm sitting here with a, a plumber and a technician and like people all over trying to fix my house. When you said this Alabama thing, my heart sank. And when you said Alabama baseball, I said, Oh, thank goodness. Because now we can just proceed with the show as scheduled from rudder butter. Rudder butter asks if my son is a five-star recruit, say a quarterback or offensive tackle recruit, why would I have him sign a national letter of intent? What benefits does it give the most elite players out there? And I know that, but you've talked about this a little bit, so I feel like I know the answers to the test, but I like the where he went with some of these follow-ups. The top teams would still risk taking an elite prospect if he doesn't sign the papers. If players don't sign NIL and aren't on, and aren't on scholarships, can they transfer as many times as they like? Does the NIL prevent them from transferring? Uh, I, I used to think the only thing stopping uh, this was several families that couldn't afford tuition, but now with NIL, that should not be an issue for any five-star player so why should any elite prospect sign a national letter of intent? So I think he's in some ways conflating two separate things, not signing an NIL. And then also I think he's adding a qualifier there on, on the end of that, one of the follow-ups about, which I think implies that a player is a walk-on. So not signing a letter of intent does not make you a walk-on just for clarity. Let's talk NIL first. If I'm a five-star, I would not sign an NIL, right? It lo- it's a one-sided deal. It locks you into the school. The school can still get out of the deal. It's pretty hard for you to get out of your deal. Although in recent years, it's a little easier because of Twitter and public pressure on these schools that are trying to be jerks and you know mess with kids who are eighteen. If you sign a, if you sign a letter of intent, you're locked in for the most part. Even if a coach leaves, it can be tough to get out. Some of these schools will, will play hardball with you. If I'm a five star, every school in the country is going to take me, assuming that five star grade is accurate, and you know. If it's from 24-7 sports, chances are that it is. I'm going to just say, hey, guess what? I'm going to enroll when I enroll. I'll sign I'll sign some some financial aid papers, right, just to get that ball rolling so you guys can, can be ready for when I get here. And I could sign financial aid documents with multiple schools. Dalvin Cook did it, right, and and just you know decided to enroll. I think Clowney uh, ended up either not signing NIL or, uh, or excuse me, NLI or, or waited a long time to do so. I think prior – Right? Didn't didn't he didn't he wait quite a bit too? He waited a while. Yeah. Really elite kid. You, you, I don't think there's much benefit to it. However, if you're a really elite kid who wants to cash in from a school's collective, you cannot mm. you cannot condition nil on the signing of an nli. But Whoa, I that's confusing. I guarantee See, that's, that's the regulation I would bring. We need to change the nil nli kind of abbreviations because yes. they are way too similar. Totally. I, I don't think we're going to have NIL for for uh, for more than about another half decade, uh, if I had to guess, or at least not like significant NIL. Um, but maybe a 401k. Yes, that, something like that. Now, if you are trying to secure your bag, like it may be hard to do that if you're holding out until you enroll. You may not get a dime until you enroll um, from that thing. They're like, all right, if we know you're coming, here's a check. If you're going to hold out here and still consider all these schools, not getting a check yet. But I would still wait because stuff like Bob Stoops happens, right? Mm. I'm signed to a school. All of a sudden, he drops that he's leaving in what May, right? It wasn't like after spring practice. It was pretty late. We we do see guys 
at big time schools, coaches resign or leave jobs very late in the process. So I want to keep my options open. Understandable. Um, let's go back to the chat. This one comes from Kyle. He got in a little bit early. Want to make sure we get it. Kyle asks, will the continued rise of quote basketball on grass, Bryles offense have when, excuse me, with the continued rise of basketball on grass, Bryles offense have receivers and corners become more important to success than the line of scrimmage. And he said, have, or when will receivers and corners become more important to success than the line of scrimmage? Depends on how you define success. If you want to win a national championship, probably not for a long time. If you right. want to win your conference, maybe, depending on what conference you're in. But if you're in the SEC, I think you're still going to want monsters on the lines before you want receivers. Lincoln Riley, he told you. He said, he was like, yeah, you know, we the reason that we're not having success, and he was saying at the time, this is when he was at Oklahoma, he said it with the follow-up of like, and we're trying to address that. You know, we're trying to get even better. We're trying to get even bigger at the line of scrimmage. But that's about as good. His run with Oklahoma is one of the like great offensive runs that we've had in the last 10 to 15 years. And as soon as they got to the college football playoff, they couldn't win a game. And I think that was because of the line of scrimmage. So I think that was a good point, Tom. I, I, I was going to say no, it hasn't become more important. But I guess if your success is that you're just trying to go from four wins to eight wins – then yeah, receivers and corners might be more important, but to win at the highest level, I still think you need the line of scrimmage. I think you could argue that maybe like the importance curve is a little bit differently shaped. So like if, if you go like this, for a, whatever, that looks bad on video. At the very, very top, like you could argue like I would rather have Marvin Harrison than Olu Fashanu, mm -hmm. right? Like the very best receiver over like the very best offensive tackle in the sport is probably more valuable. Uh, and we're seeing that in the NFL. There are some guys at the receiver position who get paid an absolute ton, like a Justin Jefferson. But I think if, as you go down the list a little bit, that the slope of the curve for elite line players probably remains higher in terms of importance. Like the replacement level, I think, drops pretty quickly. If, if that, I, I'm not, I'm not sure if I'm saying that right. But like, I, I don't think, think there's enough good corners. I think. Yeah, that I, would, I would agree. I think that you can get, you can have B plus receivers that can be stars because I just don't think that there's enough good corners in college football for for you to be able to like shut down multiple receivers. If I'm running out four wide and my one guy is awesome and you put your best corner on there, then you talk about drop off. I think the drop off to those other receivers is probably less than your drop off to your second and then definitely to your third best corner. Yeah, yeah, I I think I agree with that. I mean, if, specifically with this offense, um, and we'll call it the beer and shoot since these guys at, at you know Tennessee weren't on that that better staff. Uh, they got shut down last year by Georgia because Georgia just said we're going to play a man down in the box and you still can't run the ball on us. We're, we're going to put an extra guy in coverage. We're going to win. We're going to win coverage with numbers, not necessarily just with personnel. And yeah, Jalen Carter and some of these guys will will mess your lineup, and, and they did. So. I still would rather take the premium positions, I think, and and be. It's harder to scheme around bad line play than than bad skill position play. I I think. I'd agree with that. Thank you to Kyle. And again, uh, any of these Thursday shows, you come in before the show starts, drop a question. It's a great way to uh, to get it to our attention because once we get off and rolling, I mean, 
Tom's so good looking, Bud's so engaging. You know, it's just like, it's it's hard to keep uh, tabs on everything. All right, let's go back to the five-star big old bag of mail. Uh, this question comes from Ray. Really simple. Fellas, take a look at Liberty's schedule for 2023. Easiest of all time, question mark. Where is the loss? And of course, this comes as uh, Liberty is going to be playing its first season in Conference USA. It comes as Liberty has, in in my opinion, excellent head coach taking over in Jamie Chadwell coming off the success at Coastal Carolina. And so now, I mean, do it, I can read it or you can just start out by answering the question, is there a loss? Where is Look, the loss? Let's read the games in which they will not be double-digit favorites and then maybe pick from there. All right, that's like five games. They're probably not double digits at Buffalo. Uh I don't know if they're double digits at FIU. Yeah. At Jacksonville State. Yeah, that, yes. Close to it, I guess. Jacksonville they, State probably gonna be better than most people assume, but yeah. If the kid if the quarterback gets the waiver, they're still waiting on mm-hmm. that. The the web kid for he needs the seventh year. Uh Middle Tennessee, they will not be double digits over, I don't think. Jordan at Western is, Kentucky. Yeah. They will not uh, be double-digit favorites. Louisiana Tech, who I know today got a JUCO uh, commitment from a D-tackle that a couple of schools in, in CUSA were looking at. And then at UTEP, depending, like UTEP's been okay. This is the easiest schedule in the country, though. Yes. Oh, like um, if if we were to run some strength of schedule numbers, they would be 133? I think so. And it would be like if you were to run the numbers among teams that don't play an FCS game, I think it would be like, 133 by a mile. And uh, so just, I can run through this real quick. They open with Bowling Green, non-con on the road. They play New Mexico State. They play Buffalo on the road, FIU, Sam Houston, Jacksonville State, Middle Tennessee, Western Kentucky, Louisiana Tech, ODU, UMass, and UTEP. And for those who, again, are, are just sort of keeping up, not only is Liberty in Conference USA, so is Jacksonville State, so is Sam Houston. Um, those are all conference games for the Flames. I The only game, like, if it, do you think that they will win a game? They'll lose a game? No. If there is a loss, where is it? At Western Kentucky. Is it the easiest schedule of all time? Perhaps. They'll lose a game. Probably at Western Kentucky, but they will lose a game. I don't think they're talented enough to just look at their schedule as easy as it is and say, oh, yeah, that team's going undefeated. It's hard for me to figure out what this team is because last year they had some – do you remember what they were last year? Like They had some nice wins and also just pulling this up. They, they had some really, really weird losses. And I think part they of lost. it was maybe the team checking out because they, they knew Freeze was leaving. But they, they they finished the four straight losses at UConn, Virginia Tech, New Mexico State, beat them by 35. That's what I'm saying. Lost. Yeah. Yeah. And they, yeah. they lost to Toledo in the bowl game. Uh, like they played Arkansas really tough. They um, beat Arkansas. That's what got Hugh the job. <laughs> they beat the crap out of BYU. I think that was the game when when we all thought that, that, uh, that the QB for BYU was hurt. Mm-hmm. Aaron Hall. Yeah, and they weren't saying anything. Um, Speaking of played, making wagers on some hearsay on injuries, right. they almost lost to Gardner Webb. They they beat Gardner Webb by a point. Like they really didn't kill UMass. Uh, like they played Akron, who was the worst team in the MAC, pretty close. Like to a single score game there, single score against UAB. Uh, 
they lost at Wake by one point. I mean, it's hard for me to get a feel like what the baseline of this team was because looking at the schedule, they played way over expectation in the three biggest games that they had, or four really if you count Vatek, of the year. And I think that was Freeze. If you told me, and I don't know this, but if you told me Freeze was like, I'm going to try really hard in these four biggest games because we don't play in a conference, so it doesn't matter if we lose some of these whatever games, nobody will really notice. I would buy that. Mm-hmm. I mean, they were so probably, you- what, 100 points? Like, prob- They were probably three touchdowns better against the spread against the four big teams that they played. Yeah, I'm not judging it, but I think it's pretty safe to say Hugh was uh, auditioning in some games yeah. compared to others. Is ODU the next closest like threat? And that game is going to be because in-state rivalry, it's not going to be a conference game, right? ODU is uh, Sunbelt. Think that could, that could be it? Possibly. Yeah, it could be. Because um, I don't know what to make of Jacksonville State. At UTEP, I like UTEP could be. At UTEP could be, but I mean, ODU's got the Virginia Tech win. ODU's yeah. like, I, I think Ricky Ronnie's a good coach. I mean, shoot, we just saw ODU have multiple players put in the NFL draft. I mean, I know Western Michigan seems to be pretty happy about getting Hayden Wolf, the the, the transfer. Uh, and I, I, I think he might got beat out there at ODU. So that probably says uh, there's some positive signal to that. I think you can read into it that ODU may be better this year. I will say to that UTEP game in El Paso, El Paso in late November oh, yeah. oh. might not be the warmest environment. might be pretty windy and cold. Liberty might struggle in that. Could be. If I'm UTEP, do- I'm playing that game at night, by the way. I am doing everything I can to make that a night kick. Hundred um, percent. All right, let's let's do one last one, and let's do this one from the chat. Could F- Kyle asks? Could FSU be a little fool's gold this year? Was their run to end the season more of a product of their greatness or a bad ACC and a favorable bowl draw? Yeah, totally could be. I mean, so if you look at this, look, we've said this a little bit too, so. Like last year, they they went what one and three against the four best teams they played: Wake, mm-hmm. NC State, Clemson, LSU. Um, but with the package of like, but they were hurt. Like I mean, this, hurt. you yeah. know, you you are able to build in some excuses there that make it a little more palatable. You know, put the medicine in the ice cream, and you're going to be able to get it down. And then when they went on their run, they played. I mean, it was really a joke of a schedule in terms of who was actually available for the teams they played. I think they played what, four straight hurt or backup quarterbacks or both or hurt backups in some cases. Like Louisiana's kid was out for the year. Uh, Syracuse was a mess injury-wise, and they pasted them 38-3. to Miami, I mean, Van Dyke has like a non-contact arm injury in that game, probably shouldn't have played their one of their starting linemen, went out in pregame warm-ups. Georgia Tech was a joke at that point, and their, their starter was out. So, uh, yeah, I, I think I would be more receptive to this argument if they just tried to run back the same team and had not added to it via the portal. Mm. But, like, they're very much in contention for Keon Coleman, too. So, and I think they're going to upgrade the secondary most likely as well. They didn't lose any guys who I was I was projecting to be starters on this team to the portal. But they did add quite a few guys who I think have come in and taken starting jobs. So I think the roster's better. I saw Schleyball rated him third. I, I'm not with that. Um, but like, if you want to put him anywhere between like 
five and 12 to start the year, I really don't have a huge problem. Hell, if you want to have him 15, that's fine too. Like I, I can totally see the skepticism. Um, no chance. At least they had them. Like at least the, they did pound the bad teams down the stretch, which is a sign of a team that's getting better. Like they, they beat the crap out of those guys. Florida State's back. No chance. It's not Florida full State's school. back. College Florida football playoff this year. Georgia, Florida State, Texas, USC. Everybody is back, and they're coming after the dogs. Um, I, I mean, this I have repeated this line up and down the Atlantic Coast Conference circuit. It's Bud's line, and I give him credit for it, so I can plug the Cover Three podcast. But they feel they have two competent offensive lines, and for years they didn't have one. That's that's improvement. You want to talk about winning at the line of scrimmage? The question we were just talking about, Florida State has real depth along the offensive line. They've got good skill players. They've got a dynamic quarterback. They have an elite edge rusher, a solid defense, great defensive backfield. They're just like, they are not a national championship contender when you stack the roster up, but damn, they don't have a lot of holes. They don't have a lot of concerns, and that's, a great place to start, especially considering where Florida State has been, which, in my opinion, has been held together by duct tape as much as possible. Yeah, Knowles are back for sure. Knowles are back. Undefeated. Here we go. It starts oh, in Orlando. It. it finishes in. Where are we for the national championship? Like, I don't know. It might finish in a semifinal against Texas or USC first, too. You don't know, but they're getting there undefeated. Nobody's stopping the Knowles. Georgia. Florida State, Texas, and USC. Mm-hmm. I'd watch. That'd do ratings. That'd do numbies. That'd be huge ratings. Yeah. <laughs> three new, t- th- three teams that haven't made it in about a decade or have never made it. And then Between- Ohio State, Michigan, and the Rose Bowl. Boom. Ah! Oh! See, this is it. We're just telling you exactly the best way that you can live your college football life. The best way you can live your college football life is to come and spend... Every Monday, Wednesday, Thursday, 11 a.m. Eastern time with us. YouTube.com slash Covered 3. We will be back on Monday with more. And you can follow him on Twitter at Tom Pernelli. You can follow him at BloodElliot3. You can follow me at Chip underscore Patterson. Gentlemen, thank you very much. I will fight any podcast out there, anytime, anyplace. 